Yeah. I just really sense, and and this came on Friday night in a prayer meeting. It came tonight in a prayer meeting, and just feel it here so much that God's smile is over you as a people. And when <coughs> um, Brian was sharing about the um, whatever, uh, what do you call it? Cycling. The record, yeah. I just felt the Lord was saying, and we know this, not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit. And, you know, His smile is over you because He loves you so much. And it's not about you trying to make it happen, to have the record, you know, but it's actually because He loves you so much. Just don't forget it. Lord, I want to pray that it'll be an encounter that each one will have, even as they go home, that they will know your smile over them, over their lives, over their hearts, over their body, mind, and soul, Lord. Lord, it sounds so simple, and yet, Lord, it's out of that love that you have for us, we could do anything. Because we want to respond to your love, Lord. And just pray that, Lord, if there's anyone here that really cannot access that love, Lord, that they will not go home without it. Amen. Wow. We've so enjoyed being here. You know, through the conference and tonight, you're a beautiful people. You really are. Whoa. I think God is proud of you. I really do. Some of you press through stuff and, you know, it's not been easy. But God's proud of you. Really proud of you. I want to press into something tonight which really is a mission impossible apart from the Holy Spirit. Uh, I want to try to unravel some of the mysteries of the Kingdom of Heaven. And when I talk about a mystery, I'm using it in its biblical sense. Um, And a mystery in scripture is not something weird or mysterious. It's something that can only be grasped by revelation of the Holy Spirit. And I will be using that word revelation tonight a bit, and I'm not referring to the last book of the Bible. Um, Revelation is simply that which the Holy Spirit has revealed to you. Is that okay? And that's important to understand. Um, And... I suppose if I had to put a title on tonight, it would be something like Living from Heaven to Earth. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of teaching we're getting these days which is new to us, and one of them is that whole concept of heaven and earth. And, you know, it's easy to sort of buy into something but not really understand the nature of it. And so I want to just talk a little bit around that, and I hope that it will be helpful to you. But it is framed around the whole concept of the kingdom of heaven. And (coughs) in scripture you'll find the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven are both expressions that are used, phrases that are used, but actually they're synonymous. They're referring to the same thing, you know, which is the rule of God, but it's more than that. It's to do with the glory of God, which is the whole dynamic of who God is and what he does. It's amazing, actually. Can we just look? I'll read a scripture and then start 
um, moving out from there, I think. <coughs> Uh, Genesis 28, and you'll be familiar with it, <coughs> and it's the incident in the life of Jacob where he was on the run, and he got to the place that was later called Bethel, and it says, Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it. Right? And said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac and the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you... And in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amazing statement, amazing promise. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely, the Lord is in this place and I did not know it and he was afraid and he said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven I'd like us to just hold that in our thinking as we go through tonight because basically what we're seeing is there's the connection between heaven and earth and that is, you know, really want to talk about. <clears throat> the Lord's Prayer that we are familiar with starts off, Father, who is in heaven, and then your kingdom come, i.e. your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. And it is vital that we understand this connection because we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Yeah? Your citizenship, as Paul tells us, is in heaven. You may have a UK passport or a Dutch passport or wherever your natural citizen or American passport, wherever your natural uh, ethnicity comes from but actually in Christ your primary identity other than being a child of God is that you are a citizen of a heavenly kingdom yeah and we, ne we need to understand that um, <clears throat> in the Anglican prayer book uh, in one of the versions, I think I'm correct, I have an Anglican background way back, but, you know, memory gets a bit, doesn't it? Especially at my age. But um, it, it talks about, for yours, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And somewhere it says, as it was in the beginning. Are you with me? That phrase, as it was at the beginning. And I want to suggest something to you that if you want to find out how God intended it to be, go back to the beginning. Because in creation, when God had created the heavens and the earth, when he had created everything of the animal and the vegetable kingdoms, as it were, and then finally, the pinnacle of his creation was the human, he declared it to be good. And when God says it's good, it is exactly what he wanted. And, you know, I think God absolutely rejoiced over the creation that he had made. And I think on that seventh day when he rested, there was such a delight in his heart because he saw the very thing that he had dreamed of from all eternity actually fleshed out in time and space reality in front of him. 
It was complete. It was beautiful. It was just what he wanted. And <coughs> I think this might give you a clue when you're looking at scriptures sometimes. If you want to um, <coughs> understand how things should be, as I said, go back to the beginning and look at how they were. Because one of the things you'll understand about God is that he is a God of restoration. And so most of our intercession really is about God restoring what was his original intention, be that in an individual, be it in a city, be it in the earth. Is that okay? So that's most of what we're praying for. And I tell you, God is committed to having back what he, what he lost in essence, what was stolen from him, what through disobedience he lost. And whatever your eschatology may be, somewhere along the line, the new heaven and the new earth will be a reflection of what God wanted at the beginning. So I would suggest to you, if you want to see <coughs> a complete operation of the kingdom of heaven on earth, you need to look in the, in the, right in the early Genesis record at the end of creation. Let's just think about that for a moment. You know, we, in our generation, we're learning about how heaven and earth connect. Is that right? And I'm, you know, grateful to people like Big Brother Bill, who has written books, When Heaven Invades Earth, and so on. And lots of people are picking up that theme. But I, I think what I want to do tonight is to put some flesh on those bones. I want to give us a reason for the hope that's within us because the dynamic that we're living in as citizens of that kingdom is actually from heaven to earth. And in the New Testament, <coughs> when the early church was causing such a stink, one of their, the accusations against them was they're turning the world upside down. And I do want to suggest to you that God is turning us upside down because... We are born in this world, we have been raised in this world, we have imbibed the world's values, the world's education, everything. I'm not knocking it, but actually, it is um, not actually feeding the spiritual dimension in us. And so a lot of what's happening at the moment for us is we're understanding spiritual things, which in the natural we cannot see. Am I making sense? And so, um, you know, the renewal of our minds, which we're all going through, is actually to transform us from being earth beings to being heavenly beings. And if ever there was one expression I'd like to bin forever, is that thing that says, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly use. I want to tell you, for most, it's the other way around, completely. Okay? Because as we will see, we have a mandate to actually see heaven established on the earth. And if you think about the Garden of Eden, I don't know if you know this, but the word Eden literally means presence. And so Adam and Eve, the human, was designed to live in the presence of God. And in the Garden of Eden, I would suggest to you that there was no partition between heaven and earth. You could describe it as an open heaven <laughs> because no, there was nothing to separate God and man. And I love the, the kind of idea that, you know, God would walk in the garden in the cool of the day and converse with Adam and Eve. It was an intimate relationship. It was, you know, beautiful. And if you follow that through, the restoration of the kingdom of heaven on earth will look like that. I don't know, you know, practically look like that, but actually in the dynamic of it, that's how it will be. And what I believe is happening, God is actually repositioning us so that we become aligned with heaven, so that as Adam and Eve not only walked in the presence of God, but they also walked in obedience to what God spoke. Yeah? And because in God's 
creational mandate, he gave the human the right of government in the earth. It was vitally important that the relationship between heaven and earth was maintained. Yeah? So when Adam and Eve fell and disconnected themselves from that heavenly dimension, they still had governance in the earth but they governed it according to their own humanistic wisdom, not according to the wisdom of heaven. And whenever you get the government of man, I'm not making a political statement, but whenever you get the government of man, in other words, the humanistic uh, view of how things should be done, you will have chaos to some degree. Yeah? Because heaven, sorry, earth was designed to be ruled from heaven. Okay? Now, I want to bring this down to earth. And I just, I want to try and explain something, which, when God showed it me, I was so excited, I went around screaming in the house, I think. <laughs> Mary gets used to this, I suddenly get a flash of inspiration, revelation, I can't wait. I don't write it down, I run into the kitchen, and whatever she's doing, listen to this! And... And it's been challenging over the years, but, you know, we're, we're getting there. We are getting there. But actually, um, I get excited about this, because it really does bring things down to earth. Do you know what? I don't want to insult you. I want to actually affirm you and speak to the gold in you, but the reality is you're dirt. <laughs> now, wait a minute. God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground. And if we did a, a, a chemical analysis on you, you know, the physical makeup of your physical being, you would have very similar um, chemical makeup to the dust of the ground. Why? Because you were formed. We were formed out of the dust of the ground. So, Intrinsically and vitally, we are part of creation. Yeah? But the difference is that the human is the only part of creation that actually can carry the presence and the glory of God. Because when God created the human, which was the pinnacle of his creation, and if you're female here tonight, you'll rejoice because you're the absolute pinnacle. You're the last thing that God made. <laughs> there's an ascendance in the thing. Um, he, I got, you know, just this picture of, of God um, forming out and literally scraping together the soil of the ground into the shape of a man. And God knelt down and breathed into his nostrils his own breath. And Adam became a living being. Yeah? The Ruach of God, the very spirit of God, the breath of God. And I want to submit to you that the human is the only part of creation that can contain and host the presence of God within. And we'll come back to that in a minute. So the government of God on the earth requires the human because the human has been given the mandate to rule the earth. And if I can just play games with you for a moment, it's extremely interesting that in order for Jesus Christ to be able to do the mighty works of God in the earth and also to become your sin bearer, he had to take human flesh. Because it was only in human flesh that he could take on the government of the earth. He had to become human. Are you following me? Because in creation, God had decreed that that's how it would be. It's interesting, isn't it? So, am I making any kind of sense? And listen, <clears throat> from the moment of Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan, when the heavens opened and the Spirit of God came down in the form of a dove and rested on him 
and the voice of affirmation from heaven spoke his heavenly and earthly identity. He was both son of God, but he was also son of man, which made him unique at that point. And from that moment, he went forth, and he went through the wilderness of temptation, but after that, he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he did miracles and signs and wonders, healings, raised people from the dead. The power of God rested on him. Because as a human, he had authority in the earth. Because the psalmist tells us that the heaven of heavens belongs to God, but the earth is given to the sons of men. Yeah? So, for from that point, three and a half years or whatever, uh, Jesus performed the mighty works of the Father. He had authority on earth because he was human, but he had the authority of heaven because he was divine. It's amazing, isn't it? But you know what? <clears throat> when he died and he rose again, he, is, he <clears throat> rose again not with a normal human body. He had a resurrection body. Okay, we could talk about that, but take it from me, it's there in the scripture. But you know, after the resurrection, he never performed another miracle on earth. The only miracle was when the disciples were out fishing, he told them what to do and they did it. He didn't do it. It was a foretaste of what the kingdom was going to be like, that heaven would command something, we would do it and the miracles would happen. Is that making sense? And then... <coughs> I love this, actually. Listen to this one. Jesus then went back to heaven, but he didn't go back in the same form that he left. He came as spirit, was born of the Virgin Mary, yeah, and he ascended with a resurrected human body as the first fruits of those who will rise from the dead. And when he rose and sat down at the Father's right hand, what actually happened was he took as it were, redeemed humanity into the Godhead and we became one with God. And you did a wonderful job the other night teaching on covenant about oneness with God. We're not God, obviously, but actually in Christ we become one with him. Yeah? Check me out. Please don't take this just because I'm saying it, but check it out. But it's really exciting. And, okay, <laughs> God is in the business of restoration. Restoring what he had in the beginning. Establishing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And he has to use redeemed humanity to be the instrument of his kingdom on earth. Because as humanity, we have authority in the earth because God's given it to us. As being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, we are connected with heaven. We can hear heaven and we can become the influence of heaven on the earth. Am I making sense? That's how important you are. You may be dirt and I may be dirt, but actually we are dirt that's full of the glory of God. Yeah? Shush. It's fun, isn't it? You know, it really is. Yeah, okay. Therein lies an amazing reality, an amazing privilege, but it also presents us with an amazing dilemma. Because as a born-again Christian, you span two realities. Okay? You live in the dimension of heaven, and I'll explain that in a minute, but you also live in the time-space reality of earth. So, you know, we're almost schizoid. At one moment, you know, here we are, connected with heaven. That probably explains for you a lot. Of... No, but it's true. It is true. Yeah. Shabbat. Hmm? It is true. We span two realities 
at the same time. I just want to talk a little bit more about this. You're amazing. You're amazing because you are made in the image of God and the likeness of God. Your body is an amazing thing physically and mechanically, but it's even more amazing for the fact that it is a dwelling place for God. Yeah? Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? And the Lord says, to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite and so on and so on. God is looking for dwelling places on the earth because he needs a dwelling place on earth through which or through whom to manifest himself on the earth. It's, it's, it's real. And, you know, sometimes I just like to put theological truth into absolutely down-to-earth language. As you sit in your chair tonight, where is God? God is inside of you. Why? Because you were born again of his Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of the living God, the person of the living God lives inside of your physical being. Do you agree with that? Yeah? Paul said, don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, dwelling places of God in the Spirit. Isn't that exciting? That's dynamic. How I praise God that we don't have a religion that is external to us that we have to comply with and live by but we have the living God inside of us to empower us that's who you are and just in case I need to correct some theology tonight who am I to do that, but on the basis of scripture. When Jesus was leaving his disciples, he carefully prepared them for the fact that he was going to go. And he said to them, it is to your advantage that I go away. It's better for you if I go. What could be better than walking the earth with the Son of God watching the miracles, hearing his teaching what could be better? well in Christ a transposition has taken place because Jesus said he is with you, meaning I he, I am with you but he said he will be in you and that transposition makes a total difference and actually it releases the kingdom of heaven on the earth, the potential of the kingdom of heaven on earth. He said, I will give you another helper. And the Greek word in, in for another is the word alos, which means another exactly the same as me. Because you have the spirit of Christ. Let me ask you a question. How do you connect with God? How did God connect with you? I'll tell you, there's only one way, and that's by means of, of by the person of the Holy Spirit. How did God reveal Himself to you? Well, because the Holy Spirit revealed Him to you. Everything that you've experienced from God from the moment of conviction before your salvation was by the Holy Spirit. He is the essential Holy Spirit. And he lives in you. 
And Jesus said this. He said, he is with you, but he will be in you, and he will be with you forever. Some of us have a weird kind of understanding that the Holy Spirit is very fragile. And that if we're naughty, he will disappear from us. Can I tell you that is theologically untrue? I may scramble your thoughts on eternal security with this, but it's true. The Holy Spirit has regenerated you. He's caused you to be born again, to become a new creation. He's given you his very life. You have eternal life within you, the same life that God has, that he breathed into the clay. Does it make sense when Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay? Does that make any sense now? Of course it does. Yeah? What is the treasure? It's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God reflected, shining from the face of Jesus Christ inside of us. What a privilege, man. You know, we started off by saying, you know, we are a supernatural family. It's absolutely true. You know? Let me just press that a little bit further. The Holy Spirit will not leave you. He's with you forever. You are his mobile home. Hmm? Yeah. John 14, I think, says he will come and make his home with us. Isn't that lovely? The very God of heaven has decided that you are a suitable dwelling place because he's scoured you, cleansed you, and made you righteous. Everything that he did, nothing we did, And he's not going to take his presence from you, his spirit from you. He won't. The issue is not whether he will leave us. The issue is whether we will leave him. Because you you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. But am I always aware of him? No. If I'm truthful. So, the learning curve of the Christian life, really, on this level, is to abide in the Spirit who's within you. He's abiding in you, but it's a reciprocal thing. He's saying, will you abide with me? Now, Am I going too fast? Am I building something that makes some kind of sense, actually? Now, can I just flip in another reality? I, I said just now that when Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended to the Father's right, down, right, right hand, he sat down and he took redeemed humanity into the Godhead. I love that concept so that there was the possibility that in Christ we could become one with him. Don't you just love him? Paul says in, I think it's Ephesians 1, that he raised us up together with him and seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, yeah? So I want to ask you a question tonight. This is quite a key to the whole thing. Where are you tonight? Are you sitting on a chair in D22? I think it is D22, isn't it? Wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. I was trying to get clever, actually, and I thought, I wonder if I could spring something out of D22. Deuteronomy 22, 22. Don't look it up, because I'll tell you. <laughs> one of those things that was definitely not of God. Don't look it up. Well, if, you, if you're curious, look it up when you get home, and you'll realize why I'm saying don't look it up. 
Anyway, um, where are you tonight? Are you in D22? Or are you seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? The answer is yes. Yeah. Because the Spirit of God in you, the very person of God in you, who's one with you, is omnipresent. So he can be in any number of places all at the same time. So it's no challenge for him that he is with you in D22 and you're with him seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because that is it. Is this? Shush. So, as a a human being, born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, I have, we have, you have, the unique privilege of carrying the glory of God in the earth. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is the manifestation that God is present, and he is present in you, and he's present in me. also have the unique privilege of communicating with heaven. Adam and Eve walked in the garden in perfect communion with God, their creator. And hence they knew what to do. They walked in obedience with him and they brought the fruit of that obedience into the earth which was beautiful order and it was heaven on earth. Because God doesn't have any other portal to come through except us. He can release angels but that's not the same thing because he hasn't given to the angels governance of the earth but he has given it to the human. We are uniquely positioned Now, I said earlier, and I wasn't really being funny, but I was, um, that our challenge in the Christian life, one of the challenges, is the fact that we span these two realities. We span the heavenly reality and the earthly reality. The realm of heaven and the realm of time and space. All right. The heavenly realm, which is in you through the Holy Spirit, is, as I've said, the realm of of the eternal, and it's also the realm of the supernatural. Yeah? Because that's where God is, and you are connected to heaven through the Holy Spirit, and you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Got it? So... Father, just help me to articulate what's in my heart. I feel I'm speaking mysteries from the heavenly realm. Lord, help me. Okay, let's just read this. Um, Paul writes in, needn't turn to it, 2 Corinthians 4. While we do not look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And our privilege, our job, if you like, is to take things from the realm of the not seen and bring them into the realm of earth. An example of this was Noah. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, 
and prepared an ark for the saving of his household. God warned Noah. He took things from the realm of the not seen and said, Noah, I'm going to reveal things to you that you can't see. There's going to come a flood on the earth and I'm going to cause you to be a deliverer. And my strategy, my plan, is for you to build an ark. And God gave him very specific instructions as to its method of construction and and so on and so forth. And um, so what was happening was Noah had revelation from God. God revealed to him something that he could not have known with his natural understanding. Yeah? And he put it into the hands of a man because he understood the things of time and space. So he knew how to translate the not seen into the physical and to build an ark because he was naturally qualified to build an ark and all that stuff. Got it? And our job, if you like, is to take things from the realm of the not seen and translate them and bring them into the realm of the seen. You know? And there's lots of different dimensions within which God can do that. The prophetic being one of them. It's not the only one. I I love doing that. I love the idea that God can reveal something from heaven and use the human channel to put it out there in words of English or whatever language you speak that is articulate, that is understood so the mysteries that God has revealed from heaven he uses the human to put out, to communicate in a known language, in time and space isn't that beautiful? and every revelation, I believe every prophetic revelation has a time and space fulfilment because the whole business is taking mysteries and interpreting them and speaking them out in the earth. Isn't that wonderful? And there's lots of, that's just one dimension of it. I don't want to go on too long because I think it'll be too much, but... When Adam and Eve sinned, as I said earlier, they didn't lose their place of authority in the earth because that was creational and it was given to them. But what they did lose was their connection with heaven. What is restored to us in Christ through the Holy Spirit is that reconnection with heaven. And I I tell you... I believe one of the keys to the kingdom is having our spiritual eyes and ears and heart unblocked so that we can connect with heaven in every dimension. And I really do want to blow something out that, you know, it's not just the realm of prophets at all to be connecting with heaven. Do you know what? Your heavenly Father loves you so much. (laughs) He wants to communicate with you. And I think I said it in the conference, but you know, God has a unique relationship with you. It's like no other relationship with anyone else. We have three children and seven grandchildren. And with each of them, I know I have a unique relationship. And if I tried to speak to one of them the way I'd speak to another, it, they think I was weird. They probably do anyway. But, you know, um, you know I, I, one of our granddaughters is a right little character, and we have little text communications, because you have to do that nowadays, because all they do, they say, they can, so, well, I'm 70, I can do that. Um, anyway, so we communicate by text and I just send her the most ridiculous messages and she loves it, doesn't she? And then it comes back, you know, with some witty comment on it. She's 15, is she not? You're 15. And, you know, it's a unique way of doing it. Now, if I did it to our elder grandson, he would think I was mad. 
because I don't talk to him. I, I talk to him about words because he loves words, and so we're always trying to outdo one another in words. You know, Granddad, if you come across this one, and they're usually words that don't exist that he's made up trying to trick me. But you know, but there's some way. There's some way. Pardon? Yeah, Christina does it actually. Yeah, she does. Yeah, I realise that, but. But we understand because she's American, don't we? You know, <laughs> you were right. You were right. Okay. What was the word? It, there is actually a word. Yeah, but we just don't. Never mind. There you are. But <laughs> but you know, God has a unique way of communicating with you. And it is unique, and you and I need to discover the way that God communicates with us, you know? Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And, you know, the essence of relationship is communication. And God is communicating the whole time. I mean, look. He is. And God said, and God said, and God said. And I believe one of the things God is wanting to do is to sensitize the ears and eyes of our hearts to the little promptings, and they're the fun ones, actually. You know? You know, it's a bit like satellite navigation, and I don't understand the technology. I get frustrated using it on days, but I understand what it is. I have this little box that sits in my car, and it connects somewhere up there. But it makes sense of Earth for me, yeah? And I think that's just how it is. The only thing is that the signal that comes from heaven is reliable. And it won't send you around in circles. <laughs> you know? And I love it, actually. It's not just about hearing the voice of God. It's actually being a container of the glory of God. And, you know, an awful lot of this, what we call government on earth, it's not about bossing people around. It's about influence. And you carry the influence and whatever you are filled with is what you will overflow with. Yeah. And, and I, on a good day, and I'll say that because we're all human, aren't we? But on a good day, if I'm really carrying the joy of the Lord, that is one of the things that God has given me to do. And um, in the local, well, we just moved, but in our local Nero's coffee shop, I went in one day and I just stood at the counter not doing anything and the serving lady um, suddenly burst out laughing and she said to me, what is it about you? <laughs> she, she, she said, there's something behind your eyes. And I, and I, I said to her, look, I'm not going to tell you now but I will tell you. And do you know, every time we go in there, she looks at me and this huge smile bursts on her. What? Because she's connecting with something of the influence of heaven into her world. And it's the easiest thing to talk with her because she's just connected. I think she's quite a sort of new agey character. I think she's spiritually sensitive. Um, but you know, it's things like that that just, you know, but you carry, I carry, the influence of heaven because heaven is within me. Where is the kingdom of heaven? It is within you. Because the kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. And you are anointed by God. You really are. There isn't time tonight. We need to finish now. But sometime I'd love to do a thing on how does God influence our hearts how do we receive those signals from heaven how does it work um, 
but believe me, he does. I'll give you a clue. The realm of the not seen, okay, is the realm of revelation. And the realm of revelation is the realm of heaven. What eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man, the realm of not seen, God has revealed by his Spirit. Those are the three areas the Holy Spirit connects with you. And, you know, eyes, ears, heart. And they're all different. And some of us will be predominantly eyes, some of us predominantly ears, and some of us predominantly heart. And through those channels, God connects heaven to earth. It's beautiful, isn't it? I'm going to finish, but I'd love just to pray for you. Could you stand? I do, I do just want to say this. When we use phrases like God speaks and I heard God, that is perfectly scriptural and valid. But it does imply, perhaps, that you will hear audible words and, you know. But I, I did say in the conference, and I just want to repeat it, that God is the master of both verbal and non-verbal communication. And I think I can say most of God's communication to us is non-verbal. So, I'm just going to pray. Hmm. Father, I, I want to ask you in the name of Jesus that through these um, perhaps stumbling words, Lord, I, I want to ask that you will open windows of possibility Father, I want to pray that you'll lift us from the realm of time and space and open to us in greater dimension the eternal realm, the realm of revelation, the realm where you are, where we are seated with you. And I cry out to you, Lord, that you will birth within us such a hunger and thirst for the realm of heaven, for revelation, Lord, the place that you designed us to live from, in intimate communication with you and feeling of your heart. We bless you in the name of Jesus. And Father, I want to finish by saying, over this body of your people, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, thank you for the privilege of being jars of clay. Lord, made of the staff of this earth so that we can relate to it, but empowered and transformed by the indwelling presence of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray that you will renew us in the spirit of our minds. Lord, as... Dear old big brother Bill said once, you know when your mind is renewed, when the supernatural becomes logical to you. I just love that actually. Help us Lord, recalibrate us, retrain our minds. Give us the mind of Christ as you have promised. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.